Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. We have asked tonight for Brother Larson to bring the word of the Lord to us. I want to ask him to come tonight and deliver the burden of his heart to this church. Amen. Brother Larson, come. God bless you tonight. Amen. Can we just lift up our voice to God and lift up our hands again? It's very evident that the Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. There's power in this place. There's anointing in this house. And whatever it is that you need from the Lord, surely He can meet that need right now. Hallelujah. Could we just entertain His presence and just begin to magnify the Lord one more time before we go into the Word of the Lord. Hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord, with all my heart. I love you, Lord, with all my soul today. Hallelujah, Lord, I worship you. We worship you, God. We magnify you. We lift you up, Jesus. Hallelujah. The gift of faith is in this house right now. Whatever you need from God, you can, God can meet that need right now if you just push through. Just push through those feelings of intimidation. Whatever is holding you back, whatever is hindering you, if you just push through it and begin to lift up your voice and just reach out just a little bit higher to God right now and let Him minister to you as you begin to lift up your voice and minister to Him. Hallelujah. He's in this house right now, and there's not anything that God can't do in your life if you would just give it to Him right now. Oh, can we just push just a little bit more? Hallelujah. 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 We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord God, for your goodness. Lord, we praise you, God, for your mighty acts. We praise you, God, according to your excellent greatness. And we praise you, God, because you are worthy of all the praise. We love you, God, tonight. God, have your way, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your presence that we feel in this house. God, we thank you, Lord God, because you've been faithful. Even when we haven't been faithful, you've been faithful, God, and you've been good to us. And we thank you for that, God. Hallelujah. 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 God is so good. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Amen. Praise the Lord. If you would uh, turn with me in the Word, we're going to go quickly there to Ephesians chapter 6. I want to give honor to, to Pastor uh, Regan. I'm so thankful for the man of God that's in my life. Hallelujah. I give him honor today and uh, every time that I see him, I'm so thankful to have him. I don't know if each and every one of you know how blessed we are. Praise the Lord for the man of God that's in our city here in Olathe. I don't take it for granted. 
every time that he gets behind this sacred desk and, and, and preaches the Word of God and does all of these great things, and he preached with such a burden today, and as always, it just gripped my heart, and his burden met the burden in my heart. We need a move of the Holy Ghost, but we've got to understand that we are going to have to fight. We are going to have to fight. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You can turn to Genesis chapter 28 and verse 16. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Genesis chapter 28, verse 16. Say amen if you're there. And Jacob awaked out of his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, how dreadful is this place. This is more other, or this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Can we just pray one more time that God would have His perfect will in this house tonight? Lord Jesus, we entertain Your presence, and we thank You, God, for the power and the glory and the anointing that's already in this house. God, we pray that the anointing of the Holy Ghost would destroy and break every yoke in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray, God, that you would set somebody free today by the power of your word. We thank you, Jesus, for the word. We thank you, God, for this church that stands as a beacon of hope, that stands upon the promises of God. Oh, God, we thank you, Lord, that your promises are yea and amen, God. There's nothing in the book, hallelujah, that that you can't do, that you can't perform. And I thank you for faith. Let us intermingle our faith with the hope that is on the inside of us in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's give the Lord one more hand clap of praise and you can be seated in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Heavenly places. That's what I want to talk to you about tonight. Heavenly places. What do you see? What do you see? We find it inter- I find it very interesting in our text from Genesis chapter 28 and what Jacob said after he realized that the Lord was in, the, in this place and he knew it not. The scripture indicates that he was afraid and he said, how dreadful is this place? It's very perplexing when you think about that because he realized he was in the presence of the Lord and he said it was dreadful find it very interesting. And the word dreadful, if you study it or look it up into the, the Hebrew language, it simply means to be fearful, to be dreadful, be feared. So it's not talking about to be in awe or astonishment or inspiration or reverence. It was fear. He was shaking in his boots, so to speak. He was intimidated about something. And as we continue to look in the Scripture... The translators, I, I really, I've got to add this, the translators use this word dreadful because they wanted to make it clear that Jacob was terrified or bet, better yet said, full of dread. Full of dread. So that word dreadful, if you look it up in the English language, it means causing great dread, fear, or terror. Terrible. 
a horrific event. If you've seen a tornado coming your way or if you were down in Florida and you heard about a hurricane that was going to be coming through, there would cause some fear in your heart because you'd be starting to think, man, I, I better get to shelter. I better get somewhere. I better uh, get where I need to be. I need to get into a safe place. So understanding this really brings out and clarifies Jacob's word. His words, why is the reason what Jacob said, how dreadful, listen to that, how dreadful is this place? This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. So what do these words mean? Well, if you go back previously, just a few verses before Jacob made this statement, the scripture says, he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set up on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. So as you look through this text in Genesis chapter 28, uh, 12 through 16, we find Jacob in verse 16 awakening after the Lord gives him a night vision of the ladder, the angels of God, and God affirming the promises that was promised to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham, his father Isaac, and also Jacob's seed. After this, you would think, after such a great dream, that when Jacob awoke, that he would have discerned and realized that the Lord appeared to him through a dream but we still hear the words come from Jacob saying, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. But more, even more so and more intriguing is what he said after that. He said, How dreadful is this place. This is, the, this is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. I believe what Jacob was saying. I, I believe what Jacob was indicating to us about how dreadful is this place. The reason that he was so terrified, the reason that he was so horrified was because he had not realized that the Lord was in, the pl in this place. It was in, in the place where he dwelt during the encounter that Jacob had with God through this dream. He said it was dreadful because he realized that this place was in fact the house of God and the gate of heaven which he declared. The original city where Jacob experienced this, occurred into a, a city by the name of Luz. And if you study that, Luz was a place, or it was a place of two places, which Jacob renamed Bethel. And what's the significance of Jacob renaming the city of Luz to Bethel? First of all, I believe that Jacob did not want to identify God with the name that represented two places, because there's only one way to God. That's why he called it Bethel, which means the house of God. Not houses, but house of God. And he declared it as the gate of heaven. There's only one true house of God, and Jacob understood that. I also believe that this is very symbolic of the church today. I know that there are many houses of God and many houses of worship, but there's only true, one true house of God, which is the gate of heaven. And Jesus said it like this in John 10 and 1, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, he said the same is a thief and a robber. 
So yes, there is only one true house of God that Jesus bled and died for. That's why the scripture declares in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 and 4, there is one body and one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. I want to preach to you on this subject again today. Heavenly places. What do you see? Heavenly places. What is it that you see? In our opening verse, Ephesians chapter 6 and 12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. I want to talk to you very briefly, very quickly on high places. High places in the New Testament is only mentioned this one time, but in the Old Testament, high places is mentioned around 90 times. And the general meaning of high places in the Old Testament is identified with idol worship. So when you study this and you see this in the Old Testament, that's what a lot of the Scripture is talking about. There are some positive implications when it talks about high places. I could only find three references in studying. The first reference is in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and 13. It says, He made him ride on the high places of the earth that he might eat the increase of the fields, and he made him to suck honey out of the rock and oil out of the flinty rock. Psalms 18 and 33 says, The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and will make me to walk upon my high places. So a few verses with with, with good, but you will find the majority of the scriptures that is negative connotations. And I will share just a couple scriptures here. Leviticus chapter 26 and 30. This is the outcome. This is what God will do when people go into idolatry and they, they go to these high places. It was not a place that was pleasant to the Lord at all. In fact, it was very displeasing to the Lord because the, the children of God, they were to make sacrifices to their God and not to be making sacrifices to other gods. So Leviticus 26.30 is what would happen to the people of Israel when they would fall into gross idolatry. Leviticus 26 and 30 says, And I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols, and my soul shall abhor you. Leviticus 26 and 31 says, And I will make your cities waste and bring your sanctuaries unto desolation, and I will not smell the savor of your sweet odors. And if we turn and look to 2 Kings chapter 17 and 9, the scripture says, And the children of Israel did secretly those things that were not right against the Lord their God. And they built them high places in all their cities, from the tower of the watchman to the fence city. And they set them up images and groves in every high hill and under every green tree. And there they burnt incense in all the high places, as did the heathen whom the Lord carried away before them and wrought wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger and that this text concludes in uh, verse 12 for they served idols whereof the Lord had said unto them ye shall not do this thing so again high places in the Old Testament for the most part represented idolatry to false gods in the New Testament according to Ephesians chapter 6 and 12 high places are referring to spiritual things that you can't fight with your physical hands or weapons created by man. Our pastor was talking about that today, and 
I had already had planned on, and God had already given me this word last week. So when you've been preaching on these things, I said, thank you for affirmation, confirmation of the word of God. I knew that I had found a vein in the Holy Ghost, and Pastor already found that vein. So I'm staying in that vein again tonight. I know it feels a little bit different, but the vein of what I'm talking about is understanding that we are in a fight. We are in a fight, and we've got to fight with everything that we have on the inside of us. And it's not something that you can do with your fist. It's not something that you can do by kicking something or throwing something or words that you can spew out of your mouth to try to do something hurt. That's nothing that you can do in your in your natural man that can fight an enemy that you really can't see. But there's an enemy that's out after your soul. There's an enemy that is out after your loved ones. There's an enemy after those that you've been seeking and trying to get to come into the house of God. There's an enemy that's at work and he's working more and more now because he's in overtime and he understands that his days are short and judgment of God is coming soon. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against, as our pastor was saying, against brothers and sisters and people and things and try to do things by control. The only control that we have is by releasing it and giving it to God and letting God do the work through us and understand that God is the one that's going to do the fighting. But I'll tell you, I learned a long time ago, God's not going to always fight on your behalf all the time. What does that mean, Brother Larson? Did you lost your rocker? Well, we got to fight the battles that God chooses to fight. We got to fight the battles that God, when it comes to standing for righteousness and holiness and peace and all of the things and the principles that God teaches us in His Word. If it don't line up with the Word and we want it our way or we want to try to do it some other way, it's not going to work and God's not going to fight behind that. Hope you're understanding and hearing what I'm saying here today. The Apostle Paul wanted the saints of the Most High God to know that their weapons that weapons aren't bombs and guns, but come through spiritual things. Second Corinthians 10 and 3. I'm just going to read verse 3 for time's sake. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. I think that said good enough right there to understand that this isn't really our fight. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord that's going to fight for us when we align ourselves with the Word of God. When we begin to submit to apostolic authority and understand the pecking order, there's something, there's submission, a lot of times people think it's such a bad word, it's such, but submission, I've learned that if you learn how to submit to God and leadership, that, that there is a force, there is something that comes around you and will block the devices of the enemy that will try to come in. Yeah, you may be affected, but overall, I am still stand before you saved and married with four children and church today because I've abided and taken a hold of those principles at an early time when I was converted into this precious truth. Twenty-something years later, I'm still living for the Lord, and I thank God for it. But I learned and I understood, and we all got to understand that all spiritual authority, all power, all dominion, it comes from God. Oh, can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Heavenly places, what do you see? When we see with the eyes of faith and in prayer, God will begin to reveal and show things past our natural abilities. 
Heavenly places is a place where God will take you or bring you into a place that supersedes physical boundaries. Heavenly places is explained by the Apostle Paul in, in the book of Ephesians. One of the main points I'm trying to get across to you today is this. When you're in a heavenly place or you're in heavenly places, you can tear down the high places that may be in your life or someone else's life. But you can't do it with words. As I said, you can't do it with weapons. The only weapon that really works is called prayer. And when you get begin to get into the presence of the Lord and begin to pray and begin to seek the Lord, that's when the Lord can begin to intervene and come in and begin to touch and work through your prayers and because of the faith that God has given you through His Word. Amen. I begrudgingly tell this story, but I had a nephew love him, and he's just in and out, in and out, in and out all the time. And I got so fed up, and there was something that rose up on the inside of me. And I knew and I know that, that he wants to do something for God. He wants to, has a desire to want to do something for God, and, and God's still working on him, praise the Lord. But there was a night I got so fed up, Brother Hilton, that I prayed God. I said, Lord, you need to shake that boy. You need to shake him from center to circumference and wake him up out of his, all of these things that he's given into. And I said, God, whatever you got to do, I said, please, just don't take his life. Please, don't take his life. That very night, he had a gun pointed to his head and somebody pistol whipped him right upside the head. Our prayers are powerful. And God hears our prayers. God sent a man. I, I was talking to a man in, in this. It happened in Kansas City, Missouri. I was talking to the man. He says, well, I said, you need to go over and you need to go talk to him and let him know that, that, uh, that, that God is, is, is wanting to do a work in his life and he needs to lay all this stuff down. And he says, well, I don't know where it's at. He says, I, I, got, I know the general vicinity. And the Holy Ghost came over me. And I said, God will get you and direct you to that place. And sure enough, he found that place in the middle of the night and went to that place where my nephew was at, where he was doing cocaine and different types of drugs and partying with his friends and doing all these wicked things. And the lights were out when he walked up, and the brother told me, he said, it was just like you could feel, not just the darkness, but you could feel the darkness of what uh, in the spirit of a heaviness that was there. He said when he had walked in, he saw the light go off. And then my nephew came out, walked past him, and he said, he's began the brother that I sent, he, he said, I, please, he said, you got to get right with God. I want to pray with you. I want to be with you and, and help you to, to, to overcome. And he walked right past him, my nephew, bypassed him, went out, got in his car with his boys. And it was that night he had a gun up to his head and almost lost his life. I'm talking to you about the power of prayer. I'm talking to you about real things that I've experienced, and I'm sure there's saints in this place that have experienced. There was another time when I was, was praying, and I had uh, something that I had to deal with with another person, and the Lord began, he, the Lord spoke his name to me and told me the place that he was at. I went to that place because God wanted me to be able to reconcile and have closure with that brother. And sure enough, I went to that place, and he was there. 
And I said, brother, I just want to tell you I love you. And if there's anything I ever did that offended you or hurt you, I, I just want to thank you for all the things that you did for me. And I just want you to know that I love you. And God opened up that door of opportunity for me to be able to reconcile with him. I'm talking to you about heavenly places. Heavenly places is the places where you can go in prayer and you can begin to talk to the Lord. And He will talk to you. And you don't even have to have the Holy Ghost for Him to talk to you. We find in the, uh, Acts chapter 10, the household of Cornelius, Cornelius was praying. And God sent a man his way, but there was something about Cornelius. There was a hunger and a, a desire in him, and God sent him some, to somebody. But I'll tell you, you can hear a lot more clear, hallelujah, when the Holy Ghost is on the inside of you. But God can woo you. He can position you and get you ready to receive a greater blessing. And the greatest blessing is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. Can we just go ahead and give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that? Thank you, Jesus. And when you understand, when you can come into heavenly places and not just coming into, but remembrance of the places, just like tonight, the dancing, the shouting, and the visitations of the Holy Ghost that moves in this house. There, there'll be times when darkness will come in and you'll be so overwhelmed if, and you'll remember singing about that song, I've got the power, I've got the power. The, about the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. And you remember that time when you experienced breakthrough and, and, and understanding that, that God broke through all of that and touched you and you felt His presence and God renewed you one more time after time after time. Who's experienced that? Can you lift up your hands? Have you experienced that where the joy of the Lord came in when you were depressed? Uh, when all the things that were happening, it seemed like you didn't have the, the money to pay the light bill, but the check came in or you need it food on the table and it came God took care of you it's because you've learned if you've been filled with the Holy Ghost uh, you've learned to enter into heavenly places and visitations of where the Holy Ghost can begin to minister and talk to you and it there's no there's no dimension as far as as time past present or future it doesn't matter because God is a God of eternity and God can walk in or any place in and out through eternity in your situation. High places. We need boldness to tear down high places. I want to talk to you about Gideon real quickly in Judges chapter 6, verse 27. It says, Then Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord had said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down, and the grove was cut down that was by it, and the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. The word grove in the Hebrew isn't referring to a small wooded area in this text, but it's rather referring to an idol that Gideon's father in the whole household was worshiping. If you look up the word grove, some of the Israelites, I'll talk to you about that in just a second, but some of the Israelites um, were picking up and practicing what the heathen people were doing by building altars in high places. 
to their false gods trying to, and believing that they would invoke blessings and cause themselves to become rich in fertility and worldly wealth. So this grove that's mentioned was, uh, it's the word grove is Asherah, which was a Phoenician goddess more than likely made from the, that wooded area, but it was a piece of wood that they had carved out, and they would put that before the altar, and they would offer up incense and do burnt offerings just like they did when God commanded them as far as the tabernacle of Moses when they would offer up their sacrifices. And the judges would do this, but they got uh, uh, so far off from the things of God and got so sidetracked with so many other things and their eyes were so focused on the heathen kings and everything that was around them that they wanted to try to duplicate the things that, that would, would never never even worked for those heathens. Uh, they, they were just uh, um, deceived in their minds thinking that they were offering things and blessings were coming and it wasn't it wasn't coming from God I can tell you that much so these Israelites, they were just picking up and practicing, and that's why we can't mirror just anybody. We just can't be like anybody else. We need to be the apostolic church that God's called each and every one of us to be. Hallelujah. We need to continue to hold on to this word of truth that we have. Amen. Praise God for a Gideon. Praise God for a Gideon. I know there was fault and there was failure towards the end of his life, but thank God there was a Gideon that, that obeyed and took heed to the voice of the Lord and tore down that altar, hallelujah, and took the wood, hallelujah, from that sacrifice and used it as kindling to sacrifice to the one and true God. That is something else, isn't it? And that's where you feel, you know, where the enemy tries to come in like a flood or when the enemy comes in and tries to make you feel like you're, you're worthless and that you can't do anything. You can take those, those sacrifices and you can take, I'm talking on a, on a spiritual note, those things that he's tried to come and, and bring you down, you can use that as fuel and put it on the altar before the Lord in prayer and give it to God and let God turn around the situation and do something with it. Hallelujah and let that indignation, that righteous indignation rise up and use that as a fuel to bring to the altar in prayer. When you get tired of your loved ones that are still backslid or you've been witnessing to somebody or somebody you've been praying for an affliction to go and it hasn't gone, you take that to God and you take that and let that rise up on the inside of you and just like Job did, he fell down and he worshiped. Just begin to worship him and praise him and take all the things that the enemy has tried to come against you with and pour it back out on the altar to God and say here it is and I trust you and I'm going to let you take care of this I'm going to let it burn in the fire because the Bible says that God is a consuming fire I'm going to give all of it to God I'm just going to throw it in the fire because one day it's all going to be nothing it's not going to be worth anything God will give you power when you find heavenly places. God will bring you to these places when your total trust relies on Him. You must be bold and step out into the dimension of faith which will bring you into heavenly places. Psalm 91 and 4 says, He shall cover thee with His feathers, and under His wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. 
Thou shalt not be afraid by, for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor, nor for the pestilence uh, that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. I'm talking to you about heavenly places. Uh, I'm talking to you about a place where you can get un- into the covert uh, wings and under the power of the Almighty to where He can take you even in the midst of a storm, in the midst of, of all things that are happening. You can, even though it's all coming, there's still a peace uh, about you inside of you where you know and you can hold on to uh, the promises of God. Just like Pastor was talking about this morning, it's a fight. And if you're going to be fighting, if you, the only way you're going to prevail is by holding on to the horns of the altar and holding on to what God uh, is, has promised you already. And we just got to stand firm on the promises of God and not let go, not be wavered, not turn around, but stand on the promises of God and not be afraid because we have a God that fights for us. We've got a God that's on our side. We've got a God that will deliver you even when you didn't know you were being delivered. We've got a God that's on the inside that's greater than he that's in this world. Oh God, I worship you today. Can we just begin to lift up the name of Jesus? Can we just go ahead and give him a praise? Hallelujah of adoration right now. said continue to worship him heavenly places is a place where heaven meets earth and is manifested through the spirit for the help in the time of need or it also can be a reminder of God's promises that we read about in the life of Jacob God took Peter as he was fasting and seeking God on a rooftop and brought Peter into a heavenly place, a heavenly vision of the Gentiles becoming a part of the kingdom of God. It's time to rise, kill, and eat, Peter. There are multitudes and desperate souls that need to hear what God has spoken to you in secret places and in the heavenly places. It's time to rise up, kill, and eat what God has given us. Peter didn't understand it took three times for a vision and a blanket to come out of heaven but he finally got it he finally got it and it was because he was in a heavenly place it was because he was in a place of prayer and fasting and consecration before the Lord that he could could hear the voice of the Lord I'm so thankful hallelujah for what God is doing even right here on the home front right here Heavenly places will come in the midst of a raging storm. Acts chapter 27 and 23. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. He said, Be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. We got to stand on the Word of God. Everything else is fault, will falter. Everything else is sinking sand. The only thing that we can stand on is the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and His promises. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Heavenly places. Listen, He did it for Jacob. In that vision, he did it for Peter, he did it for Paul, 
and he'll do it for each and every one of us. Do you believe that tonight? You really, really believe that tonight. Pastor, as he was preaching the burden of the Lord from his heart this morning, he alluded to it this morning, and I had to go back to it so I could quote him right. And he said this when he was teaching on the church of Philadelphia. The context of what he was talking about was on the subject of fear. And this is what he said. This is just in the Word of God. We generally don't struggle too much with the fact that he's able. But most folks, where their faith is lacking, is believing that he will. Let that sink in. And if you didn't hear today's messages this morning, you've got to listen to it. And if you even listen to it, I plan on listening to it again, Pastor. Hallelujah. So in other words, the devil don't want you to believe that God is willing to do anything for you or for any of God's children. This is the greatest lie of all lies because Satan knows if we were really, if we were ever able to get hold of the fact that God is willing, there will be no stopping what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. Paul wrote it. God's preparing things for people that love him because what he's really wanting is can he trust you? Can he trust you in putting the kingdom into your hand? Can he trust me to do what he's called each and every one of us to do? This is the very reason why Stephen was attacked and died as a martyr for Jesus because of what he had a hold of. We want to experience the mountaintop, don't we? We love to have mountaintop experiences, but don't want to climb the mountain. Stephen had a major mountain to climb the day that he was martyred and killed. So where do we get our strength? We get our strength and our endurance from climbing the mountain. So when we get that complaining spirit, that bickering spirit that comes on us, hallelujah, just like the Israelites, uh, we don't have no, no meat, we don't have no onion, we don't have no garlic, when they should have been singing the praises of God. And if they would have and wouldn't have been murmuring and complaining, uh, uh, what was a 40-week, uh, 40, I'm sorry, 40-year journey could have been within two to three weeks they could have been to the land of promise. So the point is, is we got to be thankful for everything, even when it's tough, when we're climbing up that mountain. And it's, that, it's climbing up that mountain, which is what's going to bring us experience. It's what's going to give us what we need to be successful, not just for our soul and salvation, but to lead a multitude of people to the Lord Jesus Christ and seeing them filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. And by the way, if you need the Holy Ghost tonight, you can receive the Holy Ghost with speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. I'm telling you right now, it's here. And if you want it, you can have it. When Moses was coming down the mountain after he received the law of God, his face shined so brightly. There was a similar phenomenon that took place in Acts chapter 6 and 15. The Bible says, In all that sat in the council, this is referring to Stephen, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. If you want to be used by God, we've got to learn to hide ourselves so that the glory of God can shine. This is why persecution comes. That's why there's 
advers- all different types of adversaries and devils and demons and people of this world that are, have no intentions to live for God want to put, put you and make you feel discouraged that you, that you feel like you can barely hold your head up. I'm telling you right now, we got to understand that there's a God that wants to lift you up and help you in those times. But when, you, when it's less of you, that's when God begins to shine where people can see in your life and you're like, they're like, what is it that they have? There's just something there. But then there's others that are, are, are that, 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 that they're just so um, envious because of what they see and they can't identify with the blessings of God and the Spirit of God that's on the inside of you. You wonder why you have problems in the workplace. You wonder why people may look at you strange. You wonder why people at school might want to say something to you or look at that person and look what they're doing. What they're really seeing is the Holy Ghost that's on the inside of you. And if they're part of the of this world, uh, that's all that they know. They can't identify with the things of God. That's why we've got to be a witness. That's why we've got to be able to tell them. But we've got to be in heavenly places to be able to bring something uh, to somebody in, the, in their life, to be able to be influenced and help them, to, to lead them into the place where they can be set free from all of the bondages and the sin and breaking all of those yokes and destroying the lies of the enemy. So as we look in Acts chapter 7 and verse 55, the Bible says, But he being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven. little tag on this morning's message. Pastor preached full enough to fight. Full enough to fight. We got to be full of the Holy Ghost. Looked up to, he looked up steadfastly into heaven, Stephen, it says, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I'm convinced that the reason said that he fell asleep was because God sheltered, sheltered Stephen. Maybe initially he may have felt the sting of some stones that were being whirled at him with the force of, of, of grown men throwing them stones at Stephen. But I believe the grace of God and the mercy of God began to come around him. I've read stories in the Fox Book of Martyrs where they were being burned at the stake, singing God's praises and worshiping God in the midst of martyrdom. It's a message American people don't really hear a whole lot about, but I'm sure you've heard of it in Africa and other places throughout the world where people are still dying. In fact, there's more people being killed now for, for the name of Christianity than there ever has been before. More and more and more increase. And I'm saying all that is because we need to be fighting 
And regardless of what happens in this country, that can't stop us from living for God. That can't stop us from doing those things. We can't get overwhelmed with those things. And there's got to be something on the inside of you that rises up that's ready to fight with everything that you have. Fight with worship. Fight with prayer. Fight with being in the Word. Fight with fellowship with the brethren. Being in fellowship with the people of God and knowing that we got to link arms together and fight because we are in an hour, a very dark hour right now. Heavenly places will sometimes take you to places that you really don't want to go to. It will cost you something. I'm sure this was the case with Stephen. But the Bible says that he was full of the Holy Ghost. We've got to be full enough to fight. Stephen could have recanted to spare his life. But let me tell you something. The devil and all his forces are not going to back down. So why should we? Why should we? The enemy's raging and ready to take down anybody that's not willing to fight. He will take many down, and there will be many casualties, and there already has been because of people that are not full enough to fight. Thank God that Stephen stood his ground. Thank God for pastors that are watchmen on the walls in these days speaking truth and declaring the word of the Lord because of being in heavenly places. We cannot be intimidated by the voice of the enemy. Jesus said it like this in Matthew chapter 10 and 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's time to fight. It's time to fight we, like we've never fought before. Paul was trying to equip and prepare those in the church of Ephesus, and I'm sure all the churches abroad during his ministry. He was trying to relate to the people of God that this fight that we are fighting is not something that we fight with our physical and natural abilities. Ephesians 1 and 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings, or all spiritual blessings in, what does it say, heavenly places. Everybody say, heavenly places. Ephesians 1 and 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us, Ward, who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and set Him at His own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in the that which is to come. Ephesians 1 and 22, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Ephesians chapter 2 and 4, God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in, and there you go again, heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the age, ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and in his kindness towards us toward Christ Jesus Ephesians 3 and 8 
unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Christ Jesus here it is again in Ephesians 3.10 to intent that now unto the principalities and powers and heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access and confidence by the faith of him. Paul was trying to ingrain this in the people of God to believe that God is willing God is willing for us to do exploits. God is willing for you to lay hands on the sick that they would recover. God didn't just say that to the preachers. If you've got the Holy Ghost, you can pray for somebody and they can get healing in their body. I've seen people with cancer that it's went into remission. I've seen I've seen miracle after miracle. I, I know a, a younger man that had a little girl and we prayed for that little girl and I, I don't, it's some kind of immune disorder. I don't know exactly what it was and I didn't really want to know. All I knew was that it was an infirmity, there was something wrong, and he testified and told me just, just a few, a couple weeks ago when I met him at a conference that his little girl is doing so much better, and she had some kind of skin disorder, and, and you know what? I didn't need to know everything, and I, I don't know if it was my prayer or anybody else's prayer, but for the glory of God, God touched that little girl, and she's doing better today than she ever has been before. We have the power that's in us. Paul was trying to explain this to us in Ephesians, uh, that that power in those heavenly places is in a place uh, that you can't touch with your physical hands. Uh, but you can touch it in the Spirit, and you can begin to call on the name of Jesus, and those heavenly places will meet you and also remind you of the times uh, when God met you in those places. And just as Stephen, there was a heavenly place that took place uh, where heaven began to meet where he was at, uh, and he fell asleep, uh, and the glory of God was upon him and the people saw it upon his face hallelujah I'm talking to you about heavenly places and the text that I opened up and I'm closing here Ephesians chapter 6 and 13 wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand all to stand Sometimes you're so overwhelmed. Sometimes you're doing, there's so much going on that all you can do is stand and stand on the promise of God. We get so weary. We get so uh, downtrodden. We get so uh, perplexed because we get overwhelmed with the things uh, that are going on all over the place. But if we just get our eyes on Jesus, I'm reaching for someone here today. If we would just get our eyes on Jesus and begin to reach out to Him and begin to call on His name and let Him come and meet you and bring you into a heavenly place. Oh, can we begin to worship the Lord? Can we begin to praise Him and believe what this Word is saying to us today? We need to understand that we are fighting and it's in the heavenly places that we overcome. It's in the heavenly places that Paul spoke of that he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in you, the power of the Holy Ghost. We sang about the power. Hallelujah. We need to understand that it's more than just a song, but it's standing on the Word of God and declaring the Word of God and praying the Word of God so that God can come in and fight what you need Him to fight. 
Oh, can we just worship Him and praise Him? Musicians, you can come if you will. God is preparing a place for us, but we've got to prepare a place for Him where His glory can dwell. Psalms 127 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain and build it. That build it. It's God that does it. We've got to trust God and understand that it's the Lord ultimately that builds and sees everything through. Let me ask you this. How many of you trust God? Who trusts, who really trusts God? Let me ask you one more question. And this, this just, this stings me just as much as it's going to sting you. How many of, how many of you can God trust you? Can He trust you? To carry his burden, the church, the kingdom of God, to do the things that he's calling each and every one of us to do. You see, we work hand in hand with God, but the hardest part in this walk with God is realizing that he gets the final say. And it's in his heavenly places where we obtain total victory. James tells us, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is, un, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. And the enemy of our souls is what he's trying to do is to get us sidetracked so that we can't look into the mirror, that we can't look into the word of God and duplicating and becoming what He is through His Word. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we can't just have a lot of singing and shouting and dancing, and it's good. But we need to take that out on the streets, too, and take what we feel right here on the inside of this church and take it out in the four walls and let people, other people experience them, experience what, what you have experienced and testify and tell people what God's done. And you could tell them, what, what the Lord touched me in my mind. He did all these things. He was right on time. I know a place you can come and you can experience the real power, the real raw power of God at my church. And I'm not just making this up. you got to come and try this out. Come and see. I think it was Nathan or one of the guys. I think it was Nathan. He said, come and see. Come and see. Tell people, come and see. And it's all about being in, in those places of heavenly places. Hallelujah. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Close with this story. It's a story of a man smelting and refining gold. So the way the story goes, there's a man smelting gold, and there was a younger man that was watching this refining process of gold. The young man was fascinated in how the process worked and was really in awe by watching his presence. If we could just stand right now and just begin to talk to the Lord quietly. But this young man was fascinating, was so fascinated in how the process worked watching this. and was really in awe by watching this process of the refining of gold. The man that was refining the gold was taking a skimmer and skimming off all the impurities and the dross from that liquid gold. 
The young man watched as the man refining the gold poured the liquid gold into the mold that was in the shape of a brick. Then the young man, as he was observing this refining process, began to get really curious about something. He couldn't understand why the refiner took the bar of gold after it had seemed like the finished product and witnessed the refiner throwing the brick of gold back into the kiln again and melt the gold down again. This young man was puzzled and did not understand why this refiner of gold did this and threw the brick of gold back into that oven, melting it down again with the heat and the fervency of that fire. This young man was puzzled. He did not understand. It just didn't make sense. But to the amazement of this young man, he watched the refiner of gold continue this process several times, and he was just totally bewildered why this man kept repeating this process. After seeing this, this adolescent finally asked the refiner the question, why are you doing this? Aren't you satisfied, and isn't the gold ready after it forms? He said, why do you keep going through this process and remelting the gold over and over again, throwing it back in the fire, then letting it get hard and back and forth? I just don't understand this. And then the boy asked an intriguing question. He said, how do you know when you're satisfied and know when you're done with the gold? The man smelting and refining the gold said to the young man, he says, when I look into the liquid gold, and see the reflection of myself. First Peter says, we are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice through now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So whether we're asleep in Christ or we remain alive when He comes, we've got to get a hold and dwell in heavenly places. And just like the story of the man refining the gold, we've got to look and continue to search our hearts and not forget what manner of man we are and stay focused on the mirror of the Word. Heavenly places, what do you see? How many of you want people to see the reflection of God instead of you? If that's your prayer, this altar is open.